Hey gang, you've got Jake from Monsters on the Web, and today we're going to review In Search of Monsters. So In Search of Monsters is, it's more of a paranormal documentary with some adventure elements. It reminds me a bit of Destination Truth. And it debuted in April 2019. There's about eight episodes planned. For this review, I'm going to focus on episode five, The Wendigo. But just so you know, if you go back and look, you're going to find episodes on Bigfoot, Nessie, Mothman, the Jersey Devil, Yeti. I think the Chupacabra, by the time you hear this, will have aired. And I'm I'm going to look at the episode from three aspects. The portrayal of the cryptid, the people, so the witnesses and the experts, and then finally the production. And I'll give you a recommendation if you should watch it or not. But first, let's start with the portrayal of the cryptid. So what, what I really like is with, with the portrayal, they keep it really recent. So when I say re- recent, I mean about the past three to five years. And they look at sightings during those periods. Um, so when, when the show starts, you know, you get your lead in, your big teaser and stuff. It's going to be a bit more sensational. They'll probably take something out of off of social media, you know, something that really caught your eye. So in the case of the Wendigo, it was the video from Gaspesi, Quebec. And I think that was in 2016. It has a, a moose on the side of the road, a family stops, and then they record some critter at the edge of the, the forest uh, stalking it. Now, we don't get to see the attack or anything like that, but, you know, it, it really builds interest in the cryptid. And when the, when the show starts up after that break, they start with more of the traditional takes on the cryptid. So with the Wendigo, they talked about the Ojibwa brave who was sacrificed to protect his tribe, like as an origin story. But they also bring in new takes. And that's good because, you know, you can only hear so much about Bigfoot and Nessie and the Mothman. And you're like, okay, we know the story. So it's good to have the fresh takes on it. So in the case of the Wendigo, we got uh, a lake monster, which I'm from northern Wisconsin. I'm very familiar with the Wendigo. I had never heard this. And what gave this one a bit more credibility is it came from a lady uh, who works as a preservationist for the St. Croix uh, Chippewa tribe. You know, perfect person to talk about this take. Though to me, if you go to Monsters on the Web, it, it rang more like the Baycock, which is a sacrificed Chippewa warrior uh, who can come out of a lake. So that that part, it seems like there was a melding of legends and lore, but some of the others I thought were kind of a stretch or they were played to fear. And some of those were alien, uh, an alien origin for the Wendigo. I'm like, okay, guys, this is a stretch. Where on earth did you ever get? But, you know, they did explain it and... If you talk about the gray man alien, I could see how a Wendigo would, could fit into that narrative. Um, Still, I thought it was a stretch, just so you know, for a lot of these episodes of In Search of Monsters, there was always an alien angle. And I know they're trying to reach, the producers are trying to reach a broader audience, but really, okay. Uh, (laughs) The next one was possession and in this they used the Canadian bus attack. I think it happened in Manitoba uh, near Portage de Prairie um, in 2016. Anyway, so this guy goes crazy and cuts someone's head off on a bus. 
And they talked about how the Wendigo can, can it's like spirit can possess someone. There's a, a, a mental condition called Wendigo psychosis. We think it's kind of made up. And when they did this, even though they had the experts talk about it, it really wasn't convincing and it seemed a bit forced and, and they just added some sensationalism when it, it didn't really need it. But from a historic perspective, they did bring in the Swift Runner case, which is about uh, a Native American. And I believe this was in the province of Alberta near Edmonton. This is back in the day, though. We're talking like 1880s, 1890s. And he ate his family over a winter, which you would expect from a Wendigo. So, you know, the show is balanced between sensational aspects and some of these more historic factual records. Uh, I didn't buy the possession, though. The other thing is how how the Wendigo can create an army of zombies. And to me, this was just a big stretch because they were talking about, you know, with the modern zombie phenomena, and of course they had academics talking about this, okay? I'll get to this in a minute. Like one bite or scratch from a Wendigo will turn you into one. When we look at the records, I mean, all you have to do is go out to Wikipedia to get all the sources, guys. And it, it doesn't usually happen. Usually the Wendigo kills you, eats you. But if you get scratched, it doesn't mean that the curse passes on to you. Um, as far as I know, it's usually you only have one Wendigo going in a certain area at a time. It's not, you don't get an army of it. So I think they played this up for a bit of fear and to hook onto the zombie legends. Uh, I'm calling bullshit on that one. The other aspect was hypnosis, and this was brought up by the cryptozoologists on the show. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but it's Redfern and Lewis, and I think I could be wrong. I think it was Brendan Fairbanks, who was the academic uh, for the University of Minnesota, talked about the glowing red eyes of the Wendigo. You capture its gaze, it hypnotizes you, lures you in, and then eats you. Never have I ever heard of that before. And like I said, I'm from an area where you grew up with Wendigo legends. So, you know, for the most part, though, they stuck. The, the largest narrative was with the factual aspects of the Wendigo. Now, with the descriptions of it, they used all sorts of variations on it. Um, there's like three takes to a Wendigo. They focused on the taut white flesh you know, it's like pulled tight over the bones, looks famished. You can see their ribs. Sometimes you can see they're kind of translucent. You can see their internal organs. They talked about it being 6 to 16 feet tall. Some aspects and, and some characteristics of it that's got big antlers. It continues to grow. So I, that was good. Um, I would say the CGI was kind of a bust. It, looks, it looked cheesy in, in some cases. But when they did the artwork... And this was drawings or paintings like that. It, it, that was really good. So whoever the artist was, kudos or wherever they sourced it, great. The CGI across the episodes needs some help. I know it's a cable TV show. And you're on a budget. Uh, like, I would say, invest more and take a single take on it, okay? Because uh, some of it looked like a 90s video game. Um, I'm not going to bitch more about that, though. So next up, though, we have the people. And for the people, I'm going to focus on the witnesses and the experts that they sourced. So the witnesses were really credible. What was really nice is it wasn't like the haunted 
shows, you know, with the ghosts, where you you get the witnesses and they're obvious in a they're obviously in a studio. You know, they sit them down with a you know with the cross examination light on them and stuff. In this case, the witnesses were filmed on location. So most of this episode was filmed in northern Wisconsin. I recognized it very much. <laughs> and I will say the witnesses were very, very credible. They didn't really, like, the, the witnesses didn't hyperbolize at all. It was just kind of like, this is, this is the encounter. This is what went down. And when they, af- after that, the producers or production company did a reenactment of it. And, and it followed the narrative that they had established um, from, the, from the setup about when they introduced the Wendigo stalking the moose to some of the other descriptions and some of the takes like the water monster aspect. And they do reenactments uh, there. Uh, and so they were, they're pretty well done. It's just with a couple of the reenactments, it, it just seemed a bit forced. And that was the water attack. So a lady and I don't know if it was her boyfriend or husband are on a canoe, it gets tipped, they go in the water, something grabs her. You see the injury, her legs all hacked up, but she couldn't really see what grabbed her. So that seemed like f- forced. Um, just so you know, in northern Wisconsin, you don't have you don't have alligators. The only thing you're going to do is have, like have a really big musky that might be chomping on you or something like that. Um, so some of it was forced, and the alien counter. She described it, and it seems like someone fed her that. Oh, it could be an alien, right? It's gray with big eyes. And she agreed to it. Eh, that was a bit forced. But let's talk about the experts. So like I said, witnesses, all pretty credible, nice folks. Um, and let's talk about experts. So you, this was really great. You got a good mix of local experts and local cryptozoologists, professional cryptozoologists, some academics as well. And so for the cryptozoologists, they had Nick Redfern, uh, Ronnie LeBlanc, and Chad Lewis. And Chad Lewis, to me, was the one that really plussed up the credibility. Chad, if you don't know him, is from northern Wisconsin. I think he's from Eau Claire. And he's a well-known paranormal investigator, knows a lot about the legends and lore of northern Wisconsin. I think what would have really plussed it up on top of that, so they had Linda Godfrey, who's written a ton of books about cryptids uh, in the northern Great Lakes. She wasn't there, but we had Chad. That was good stuff. Now, locally, they had Wanda. I hope I don't mispronounce this. McFagan. It could be McFagan. She is the historic preservationist for the St. Croix Chippewa and knows a lot about the legends and lore of the Wendigo. She was the one that brought up the lake monster aspect of it. I think it gets a bit confused with a Baycock, though, which is a different kind of cryptid. It's a reanimated Brave's body. And then for our academics, they had Lynn McNeil. She's a folklorist for Utah State University and Brendan Fairbanks, who teaches American Indian Studies at the University of Minnesota. All very well versed. Some of them really push the possession part of it, which it really isn't part of the legends. Um, and so that, that's my only fault with them. They were all very good speakers. You could tell they were really into the subject and they knew a lot. And then when you have someone like Nick Redfern, who's the premier cryptozoologist in the U.S. right now, I mean, it adds a lot of credibility to your show. So I don't really have any complaints there with, um, with the experts they put on. They had an investigative journalist, TV host, Erin Ryder. She had a small segment. She, eh, um, it, 
uh, it seemed more to add some her bit was to add some sensationalism to the show uh, so I, I would give it a knock there but um, overall the experts were high quality now moving into the production which is how well crafted the show is they did a great job with the show so my favorite aspect is the editing and transitions because really you're moving in and out you're jumping from reenactments to on-site witness interviews to studio interviews with the experts to creating a narrative for the Wendigo and the other cryptids. It's very smooth, very briskly paced. Like, you want to keep watching it. There's no fluff in it, and that's good. And and the people that they have on the show, very, very engaging as well. So they could they took really good care of the casting for it. Now, mind you, the talking heads, who are the experts, that's going to change for the episodes, um, especially for the local experts. So you got to watch some of the different different. Um, episodes with the other cryptids like Bigfoot, Nessie, Mothman, Chupacabra, Yeti, uh, because you're going to get some different folks. Now, Lynn McNeil shows up quite a bit, and Nick Redfern shows up quite a bit. A lot of the other um, experts are going to change, but great casting. Um, the other thing that I thought was really great about this was Chad Lewis went to the field and interviewed the Santana family who had a more recent encounter at their cabin. Um, I think this was up by Spooner, Wisconsin. I could be wrong. Everything's around Rice Lake, just so you know. <laughs> if you if you go to Google Maps or something, it's, it's that quadrant of Wisconsin. And he goes out, meets with the family, redoes the tracks of their encounters with the Wendigo, it added a lot of punch to the episode. It was really like a mini-investigation. And that was very, very well done. I'd like to see more of Chad on TV, to be honest. Um, however, like I said, a couple of things that are knocks on the show were the use of CGI and how they've stretched and hyperbolized the threat of this cryptid. For one thing, you just don't run across Wendigos. I mean, really, if there were a lot of Wendigos out there and everyone became one, uh, you know, northern Wisconsin would be a graveyard by now, okay? Or it'd be like a zombie apocalypse. It's not. Um, but it's a fun watch. The other thing that we have to give a lot of credit to is Gabe Kunda. And he's the narrator. I swear this guy is a good 40% of the show. He's a brilliant narrator, voice actor. The way that he speaks builds the drama um, shifts his tempo throughout to pace with the video. He's an incredible vocal artist. Please, someone give him an award. <laughs> so overall, I recommend the show. It's a fun watch. I don't think you have to watch it live. I mean, it's Travel Channel. They're going to play it like 60 times during the week, right? And if you've got cable or, you you know, you can stream it, you can view it on demand. But I'd watch all of them. It's a really great show. Uh, it airs every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Travel Channel. So check with your local listings to find out where that is for you. Okay, so thanks for listening. If you got any comments, uh, put them in the leave a reply on Monsters on the Web. And I'm also going to drop a link to my article on Wendigos to my other site, Ghostly Activities. Okay, thank you very much. Take care.